0: This is the Truth Hurts program. Hello, truth seekers and lovers of liberty out there. This is Steve Z, and we are back again with another edition of the Truth Hurts program with me, Steve Z. It is Wednesday, hump day, January the 4th, 2023, and we are now into the next calendar year of the disaster known as the Gropy Joe Biden administration. Before I get started on some Biden bashing, I have a question for you. Why is the entire nation right now in mourning over a third string football player in the not fun league, the NFL? Guy had a heart attack on the field. Many conservative talk show hosts are speculating that since the NFL required all players to get the jab, from the Wuhan China novel coronavirus that it might have something to do with the heart attack that this young man had over in the National Football League on Monday Night Football. I'm not trying to be insensitive to what's going on with these recent events, but there's a whole lot of hype going on about one person. My question, of course, is why? My own father passed away in 1989 of a massive heart attack. And I'm sure it is surprising to see a fit young athlete damn near dropped dead of a heart attack, but the guy is alive. He didn't die. He had a heart attack on the field. People watched. They carted him off in an ambulance. This happens hundreds of times per hour throughout the United States. There are more than 356,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests every single year, and nearly 90% of them are fatal, according to a report from the American Medical Association. The incidence of EMS-assessed non-traumatic out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in people of all ages is estimated to be 356,461 or nearly 1,000 people each and every day in the United States. Survival to hospital discharge after EMS-treated cardiac arrest languishes at only about 10%. And yet, we right now are going all out to support this 24 year old football player when none of us even knew the guy existed before this on-field event and now suddenly his little toy drive to give toys to underserved or undeserved minority children in his hometown, depending on how you look at it, is a multi-million dollar nonprofit. Listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I hope the guy makes a full recovery. I hope every little deserving child gets a toy from the outpouring. But to focus on a guy who survived a heart attack without focusing on the real cause of why a 24-year-old otherwise healthy athlete would have such an event is suspect to me. Switching gears, New Orleans ended 2022 with one of the highest homicide rates in the United States of America and planet Earth. At 280 homicides, with a population of less than 400,000, the city of New Orleans had a rate of homicides 70 deaths per 100,000 residents. This is the highest number of homicides New Orleans has had since way back before Katrina in 1996. In total, there were 704 shooting incidents in 2022, according to the Metropolitan Crime Commission of New Orleans, And most of those shootings occurred from black males, black males committing the vast, overwhelming majority of these shootings and killings with stolen guns. Do you think this 16-year-old punk kid who shot four people had legal access to a gun? Of course not. They go out at night, they pull on door handles, they smash car windows, and they steal guns from the idiots who leave guns in their cars. Some of the murders, some of the shootings in the city of New Orleans were actually committed with guns stolen by young black boys, black men, that were actual weapons of police officers who left guns in their cars. My friends, it is disgusting the fact that the mainstream leftist, progressive, liberal, woke, diverse, and inclusive media refuses to divulge the ethnicity of these thugs in their reporting. I guess it's because we all know who's doing it. Why waste a few precious broadcast seconds mentioning that the suspect is a black male? Oh well. Double standard, hype, hypocrisy, you betcha. Every time a white guy commits a crime, they make damn sure to put his face clearly on the screen and to, especially if a black person is the victim, to say that a black victim was killed or shot by a white man, likely a Trump supporter, likely a bigot, likely a white supremacist. But when it's black on black or even black on white crime, the race of the criminal, the shooter, the thug, the animal is very rarely, if ever mentioned on local or regional or national news outlets. It's a double standard, folks, but it's something we just have to live with because we can't change their mentality. Television and radio stations and newspapers are scared to death to mention the fact that these thug animal criminals are black the vast majority of the time because unlike white sheeple, you know, you guys out there, who refuse to become active in your political arena, the black people will all get together and protest and march and demonstrate and riot and loot and pillage and destroy property and attack people if you dare mention the fact, the data, the reality, the statistics that prove that the vast overwhelming majority of these shootings and these crimes in general in the big cities are committed by black men, black boys, black Utes. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two youths. What is a Ute? In New Orleans, New Orleans, a Ute is usually a young black boy with a gun that he stole from someone's car. I could go on beating this dead horse. That would be considered animal cruelty.
1: Is you planning another bland vacation to the beach, to the forest, or some boring museum? The New Orleans Tourism Group invites you to visit the murder capital of America. Number 9 on the world's most deadly places for gun violence, New Orleans invites you down to Strap On and Strap Up. Bring your strap on for a rollicking in gay time at the Decadence Festival or Mardi Gras. And don't forget to strap up. The New Orleans Tourism Group reminds you that New Orleans is a war zone with the highest per capita murder rate in the USA. That's right. we even more deadly than Chicago and many other Democratic-controlled cities, and the Democratic mayor of New Orleans, La Toilette Cantel, invites you down to a big sleazy New Orleans, where her failed police department can't stop or solve any crimes, and her district attorney, fresh off his 10-count tax evasion trial, will refuse to prosecute any minority offenders, no matter how heinous the crime might be. Come on! Come in large groups and be prepared to partake in traditional New Orleans activities like Bite the Bullet, the shooting game, Swipe left, the knife slashing game, the roofie rape festival, a murderous second line parade or the real live version of Grand Theft Auto, the daily carjacking rally, the potholes and corrupt politicians are the least of your worries, lock your doors because the youngsters may look like churn but they will rob you blind, steal your car and shoot you in the face and they won't have any punishment or consequences for their violent actions because this is New Orleans, it's a
0: riot the so-called infrastructure and jobs act better known as the lie was signed into law by Gropy joe biden in november of 2021 the one point trillion dollars in the bill alone which were funded by your tax dollars are being wasted on things not even remotely related to infrastructure or jobs it's all just an act Gropey Joe claims that the bulk of the money is going to creating jobs, repairing roads and bridges, fixing sewer systems and water systems, creating new broadband and electric charging networks, and fixing the nation's electrical grid. But what he's not telling you is the massive amount of waste in this boondoggle wish list for his donors and supporters. I'm trying to be fair here. It was the result of months of drawn-down, cross-country, cross-party negotiation. The watered-down version of the original $2.3 trillion infrastructure bill became what is known as the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. The $1.2 trillion plan made it through Congress, was signed off by the President, and guess what? The largest portion of it doesn't even address what its title was, infrastructure. We know the U.S. is crying out for a revamping of our infrastructure system. After all, the interstate highway system was conceived, contrived and begun way back when Dwight Eisenhower was the president. Our country has an infrastructure which was rated C-minus in 2021 by the American Society of Civil Engineers. They conduct a comprehensive survey of our nation's infrastructure every four years. It's a marked improvement, they claim, from 2017's d grade, but c is still pretty dismal. The report concluded that a failure to invest in the nation could shave $10 trillion off of the nation's gross domestic product by 2039 and cost 3 million jobs in the process. Joe Biden's mishandling of the economy has already run us even further into debt and deficit. And the number of jobs he claims was created since he took office is just a mere fraction of the number of jobs lost because of the actions of Joe Biden and the Democratic party who had control of not only the White House, but both houses of Congress for the last two years. The lion's share of the work, according to Biden, will be paid for with unused COVID relief money. Really? If you had unused COVID relief money, why was that not simply returned to we, the people, the taxpayers? There was some revenue raised from a crackdown on cryptocurrency in the tax arena. But a hefty $256 billion is being added to our budget deficit thanks to this boondoggle wish list lie known as the Jobs and Infrastructure Bill or Infrastructure and Jobs Act rather. They claim that there were $650 billion already sitting in a pot for this infrastructure overhaul and that $650 billion is going to already approved and authorized maintenance and upgrades to our roads and bridges. The funding will be spread over 10 years and Some of it would have been available anyway. It's automatically raised by Joe Biden's increase in gasoline prices, which, of course, fueled an increase in the gasoline tax. $550 billion is new funding coming in the form of taxes that every single American will be paying, which is counter to Joe Biden's lie that no one making under $400,000 a year would pay a penny in new taxes. That $550 billion in new tax money is supposedly being allocated over the next five years to projects in the transportation and core infrastructure arena. Supposedly, $284 billion of that money has been earmarked for renewing the nation's transportation infrastructure. Oh, gay mayor Pete must be just salivating over his honey, his husband right now. America's transportation infrastructure, which encompasses roads, bridges, railroads, airports, and public transit, is in really poor shape because the money that has been allocated each and every year to maintenance of those operations has been squandered, wasted on useless boards and committees and commissions and studies, of course, and given jobs to those Democratic bureaucrats who need six-figure salaries to sit on those boards and those commissions and those committees. The country's public transit garnered the worst grade in the Society of Civil Engineers 2021 report card. They managed to scrape up a measly D minus. Roads scored a D, with many, 43% of our roads, deemed to be in poor or mediocre condition. But they're not telling you about all the other things that Joe Biden is using and siphoning and funneling money from this so-called Infrastructure and Jobs Act. No, sir. 17 billion dollars set aside to supposedly improve America's ports. And it might sound like a good idea, especially in light of all the supply chain problems that Joe Biden's economy has created. But upon further review of the act, the bill revealed several climate-related priorities that won't do a damn thing to improve the flow of goods. There are actually billions of dollars being spent to transition the ports away from using fossil fuels and using, yes, you guessed it, less reliable, renewable forms of electricity. In other words, they're not putting more cranes on the docks. They're not clearing the channels for deeper water vessels. They're simply trying to take away gasoline and diesel powered cranes in favor of electric cranes, which will operate by getting electricity from fossil fuel generated electric production plants. A good portion of the $70 billion targeted for improving America's electric grid will also be wasted. Much of the funding will be steered to green projects like transmission lines bringing additional wind energy from remote areas to customers on the other side of the country. Investments unlikely to do much good given the intermittent and unreliable nature of wind power and the amount of fossil fuels necessary to not only produce but to lubricate and maintain those wind turbines. Past federal spending on public transit has always been out of proportion to actual usage or ridership, but the Infrastructure and Investment and Jobs Act goes off the deep end with the White House promising to improve transportation options for millions of Americans and reduce greenhouse emissions through the largest investment in public transit in U.S. history. They're giving $66 billion to Amtrak, which runs diesel-powered electrified locomotives. They're giving 39 billion for other public transit, which seems small by comparison to the rest of the bill, but it's the largest ever such allocation to turn city buses into electric buses. They're not making any meaningful changes here or any meaningful improvements, like taking sections of heavily traveled interstate highways, which are responsible for cars sitting for millions upon millions of hours per day at idle in traffic jams, burning gasoline and diesel, and wasting electricity in electrified cars. They're not adding lanes of traffic. They're not improving the exits and the on-ramps. They're not managing the flow of traffic. This whole entire bill is way less bang for the buck than it was purported to be by gropey Joe Biden. And this, my friends, is the Truth Hurts program. The Joe Biden administration has been a lie since day one, and even before that, when they claimed to have won. And I won't go into that detail with you. We have no choice but to accept the fact that he is the president right now. And it's one thing when your government raises your taxes, suffocates your business with regulations, censors your tweets, or calls you hateful, bigoted, and mean-spirited for expressing your opinion. But it's far worse when that same government is actually to blame for shortening your life expectancy. You heard me correctly u.s life expectancy dropped to 76.4 years the lowest in over 25 years according to federal data you should be gasping what could be more important than having a chance to live a long life joe biden's centers for disease control and prevention has repeatedly blown its responses to health killers like fentanyl covid and lung cancer and the result life expectancy continues to get shorter and shorter since Joe Biden took office. Back in 1980, Americans had one of the best life expectancies in the world. Since then, Americans have lost ground. People live several years longer in France, Switzerland, Italy, and other highly developed countries, reaching an average age of up to 84. Residents of the Czech Republic, Chile, Slovenia, can expect longer lives than Americans as well. Even before COVID and Joe Biden's gross mishandling of COVID, which by the way, has led to one million COVID deaths on his watch. Before COVID, the U.S. ranked 29th in the world for life expectancy, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. The Wuhan China novel coronavirus and the mishandling of that virus by Joe Biden, who promised to shut down the virus and not shut down the economy has led to a million U.S. deaths since Joe Biden took office. And now life expectancy in other countries is rebounding from COVID, while Americans' lives continue to be cut short in the long run. Let's start with the failure of Joe Biden's government to tackle the leading cause of death among Americans 18 to 49 years old, overdosing. And over two-thirds of those overdose deaths are directly from fentanyl, which crosses our southern border on and in illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, alien, immigrant, migrant trespassers each and every day. Nearly 107,000 Americans died of overdoses in 2021 on Joe Biden's watch, and that was 50% higher than Donald Trump's last year in office. Where's the campaign to combat fentanyl deaths? Where's the call to shut our southern border, where most of the fentanyl crosses? Over the last half-century, the U.S. health agencies waged several stunningly successful media campaigns to dissuade Americans from smoking cigarettes. The CDC has done nothing like this to fight fentanyl. I'll blame the agency's mission confusion. In September 2021, as overdoses soared and as COVID raged, the CDC launched a campaign for what they called Inclusive Communication. The agency instructed healthcare workers to avoid stigmatizing words like illegal immigrant and to substitute parent for the gender-tainted term like mother or father, as if political correctness had a damn thing to do with preventing overdose deaths. The CDC's failed response to COVID further depressed Americans' life expectancy. The agency head, Rochelle Walensky, said, quote, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. The U.S. had a higher per capita death rate from COVID than other developed countries, including the UK, France, Spain, and Canada. But the CDC was more focused on not using the word mom and dad, mother and father, he and she, his or her, or, of course, illegal immigrant. They had to use more gender-inclusive terms, more diversity-oriented terms, and less offensive terms. They spent millions of dollars. Instead of combating disease, controlling disease, preventing disease, they were more worried about offending some transgender illegal immigrant homosexual. (laughs) Oh, well. I can't say here's to a long, happy, healthy life in America because since Joe Biden took office, your chances of living longer have diminished greatly. This is the Truth Hurts program.
1: He's a proven liar and a womanizer. Oh, baby, the things I want to do to you. She's a whore who slept her way to the anchor chair. Uh, uh. Together, they make one hell of a news team. The fake news team, that
0: is. Tonight, on the 6 o'clock news, these two news hounds will do their best to try and convince you that the president is actually doing a good job. Reading actual news is boring, after all. These two make it exciting and entertaining. Who cares about the facts when you have two such good-looking newsies telling lies right into the camera? There's a professional-looking news set and a nifty set of graphics in the background, so it must be real, right? The 6 o'clock news, tonight. You thought Governor Greg Abbott was evil. You thought Governor Ron DeSantis was evil for sending illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants to cities that claim to be sanctuary cities like New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Well, now Colorado Governor Jared Polis is planning to send illegal migrants to New York. According to Mayor Eric Adams of New York, on Tuesday, he warned that the city... Of New York, the nation's largest city, is already struggling to deal with an influx of people sent from Texas and other Republican-led states. But the fact is, New York is nearly a third of a million people less populated now than it was just five years ago. There's plenty of room! You've got nearly a million vacancies in your city, Eric Adams, so why not fill them with your compassion, with your care, with your concern, over the lives of these brown-skinned people. Democratic governor of Colorado told Politico that the state has been helping asylum seekers to reach their final destination, including Nuevo York, for several weeks. The only change has been a recent winter storm and ensuing travel catastrophes that created a backlog of immigrants wanting to leave Denver. And now that the storms have cleared, the governor of Colorado is shipping illegal immigrants wholesale to New York. Mayor Adams kinda has to watch, he has to walk on eggshells here because the governor of Colorado is not an evil Republican, but one of his own, a Democrat. Adams made comments during a radio appearance on Tuesday morning where he said, quote, we were notified yesterday that the governor of Colorado is now stating that they are going to be sending migrants to places like New York and Chicago. This is just unfair for local governments to have to take on this national obligation. You're absolutely right. Why should local governments in Texas, in New Mexico, in Florida, in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, why should those local governments have to deal with the influx of illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants? Mayor Adams? You see, you claim to be the leader of a sanctuary city, but when people come to you for sanctuary, you turn tail and run you crawfish and backpedal and then you beg Gropy joe biden for billions of dollars i don't know if you recall this but a few weeks ago i re- uh, reported to you that the thirty three thousand three hundred and thirty dollars per migrant cost that was being requested by eric adams to house illegal criminal law-breaking migrants was ridiculous in scope and in nature Like many cities around the country, Denver, Colorado is struggling to provide services for a massive surge of people who have illegally, criminally trespassed into the United States. They fled their home countries in Central and South America. They crossed border after border after border. And then they illegally crossed into the United States. Over the past month, more than 3,500 migrants arrived in Denver alone, according to the city. And every single night at least 1,800 of them are seeking public shelter, costing the residents of Denver in tax revenues. Things that the city would normally spend tax money on, you know, like maintaining their parks, their recreation departments, providing police and fire protection to law-abiding citizens, that money is now being diverted to house the homeless, illegal, criminal trespassers, many of whom bring fentanyl and other drugs into our country. Mayor Michael Hancock is the mayor of Denver, he declared a state of emergency, and he appealed to the local Catholic Church Archdiocese for assistance. He and Governor Polis are both Democrats, and they are now launching a fundraising effort, begging people for money to house the criminals crossing the border. In total, the state has recently made $5 million available to assist with expenses. And when I say they made $5 million available, they took tax money that they extorted out of everyday citizens, and now they're simply giving it to criminals. 70% of these so-called asylum seekers who arrive in Denver claim that their eventual destination is somewhere else. So this money is being used to help them purchase bus tickets. In light of the recent winter storm that snarled holiday travel, with Southwest Airlines logistical meltdown leading to a rush on bus tickets, the Denver mayor's office reached out to Mayor Adams of New York to let him know that more migrants than usual will probably be arriving by bus, according to Polis, who expects the levels to moderate in the next few weeks. But you don't see this reported on the mainstream leftist progressive liberal slimeball woke media, do you? That's because it's Democrat Adams in New York bitching at Democrat Polis in Colorado, and we can't show ever two Democrats fighting. But by golly, they are showing the infighting in the Republicans right now with Kevin McCarthy losing votes yesterday three times to become the Speaker of the House. And I won't go into that again with you folks on this edition of the Truth Hurts Program. But I will tell you this, it's going to be a fun show to watch. And it shows the weakness in the Republican Party. And you know what happens when the sharks on the Democrat side see weakness and blood in the water. It's not going to be a good two years, even if Kevin McCarthy gets the gavel. That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program for Wednesday, January the 4th, 2023. On the next edition, we're going to talk about the Biden administration reinstating what they called overreaching EPA rules, regulating puddles and ditches and boat speeds. We're going to talk about Biden wasting scarce capital on green energy lies. And we're going to talk about Could Joe Biden actually get impeached when the Republicans finally get control of the House of Representatives? All that and more on the next edition of the Truth Hurts program. Bye bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded.